Hello everyone and welcome to Chills, a podcast where we talk about the paranormal, true crime, and anything creepy. I'm your host, Nina Cardona. And I'm Preston Porras. We are finally back and better than ever, baby. Well, probably not better than ever, but we are back. Starting today, there'll be a new episode every Monday, so get ready to call your doctor because you're going to be sick of us. Also, if you can hear our dogs snoring in the background, we apologize. And with that, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of Chills. Everyone is familiar with the Amber Alert system, but do you know who Amber was? This is the story of Amber Hagerman, the girl behind the Amber Alert. This story actually starts in August of 1995. Amber's mom was asked to be in a documentary. The documentary was about women getting off of welfare. Amber's mom, Donna, agreed to do this documentary because she thought it could help other women in the same position. At the age of 18, Donna was pregnant with her first child, Amber. Richard, who was Amber's dad, was 34 at the time. Four years later, they had Ricky, Amber's younger brother. When Amber was around seven and Ricky was around three years old, Richard, their dad, started drinking a lot and becoming violent. He would come home drunk and was physically abusive to Donna. Donna claims he would never hurt the kids, only her. These altercations would get pretty loud, so their neighbors would always call the cops on them, and this happened pretty frequently. Finally, the cops said if they had to come back one more time because of the noise complaint, they would take away the children. That is all Donna had to hear to know it was time for her to leave. So Donna left, but she did not have anywhere to go. She didn't want to go to her parents' house because she knew Richard would find her there. So she lived out of her car for two days, then went to a women's shelter where she lived for about six weeks with Amber and Ricky. While she was there, she was paranoid that Richard was going to find her. Any loud noise or knock on the door, she thought it was Richard. Donna was going to school and volunteering at the food stamp office. Even though she was struggling financially, she always had a smile on her face. Richard begged Donna for her and the children to come back into his life, but Donna said no. Richard kept insisting, and Donna felt like it wasn't fair to Richard since he was their father, so she slowly started letting him back into their lives. Amber didn't really like the idea of her dad coming back into their lives, but slowly warmed up to it. On January 13, 1996, Amber is now 9 and her younger brother Ricky is 5 years old. They were visiting their grandparents in Arlington, Texas. Ricky and Amber had asked their mom Donna if they could go on and ride their bikes. Their mom didn't think twice about it since she used to always ride her bikes there growing up. Donna did tell them that they were allowed to, but they couldn't go further than a block away. Unfortunately, the children didn't listen and went two blocks away to an old abandoned Winn-Dixie parking lot. Ricky got scared and Amber told him to go back to the house. She'll be right behind him. Ricky decided to head back to his grandparents' house while Amber was still out riding her bike. Once Ricky arrived at his grandparents' house, his grandpa, who was working in his garage, asked about Amber. Ricky told him that she was still riding her bike, 
their grandpa, Jimmy Whitson, told Ricky to go find Amber and to come back to their house. When Ricky arrived to the parking lot, all he saw was Amber's bike. He pedaled back to his grandparents' house and told his grandpa that he couldn't find his sister Amber. His grandpa immediately got in his truck and drove to where Amber was last seen. To his surprise, he saw police at the scene because they had received a call from an elderly man named Jimmy Kevill. Mr. Kevill told police he had witnessed a kidnapping. He was in his backyard, which was next to the empty parking lot, when he heard a little girl screaming, which is what caught his attention. As a little girl, Amber, was riding her bike, she was carried off by a man and was put in the driver's side of his truck. The man drove off with Amber inside his truck. He also told police that the man was driving a 1980s or 1990s black pickup truck. He was under six feet tall, white or Hispanic, and in his 20s or 30s. And before the assailant kidnapped Amber, the old man saw him parked outside of the laundromat. Mr. Kevill made the call to Arlington Police at approximately 3.18, and around 4.30, it was already being reported on the news. Sergeant Mike Simons, Arlington Homicide Unit, was in charge of the case. He thought it was strange that when the truck left the parking lot, the truck went west towards town to a more congested area which means he is local. When it comes to child abduction, they need to work quickly. 74% of all cases where the child is abducted and murdered, the child is killed within the first three hours. At this point, we aren't saying she is murdered, but if that's a possibility, they need to work quickly. This case was immediately on the front page of every newspaper not only in Arlington, but all over Texas. The police, along with the FBI, were investigating the case. They had posted her pictures literally everywhere, hoping that someone had witnessed the kidnapping. Amber's mom, Donna, was also on television asking for the release of her daughter. Now, there was only one aspect to the situation that isn't common in child kidnapping cases. Since Donna and the family were subjects in the documentary about women getting off of welfare, the news crew had been with Donna and the kids filming everything for the last few months. When the news station heard about Donna being taken, they were able to put together a cold reel and broadcast it during the news. This gave personality to Amber. Viewers were able to see just how tall she was, her mannerism, and her voice. They were able to see things that a normal flat photo can't do. Since the film crew was so close to her family, they immediately became some of the first suspects. Had someone seen Amber in the documentary and wanted to snatch her? There was only one thing, the documentary hadn't aired yet. The crew was more than willing to talk to the police and everyone was immediately cleared. Three days after Amber had been taken, there was still no primary suspect. The next suspect was Richard, Amber's father. The police knew he was abusive towards Donna, but was later cleared because he was on camera at a storage facility and at the time of the kidnapping, he also cooperated with the police and you could tell he was devastated when the news broke about Amber. Police next turned their attention to Richard's best friend, Mike Thompson. Mike Thompson was a trusted family friend. He only had one thing going against him that made police think of him as a suspect. Mike also drove a black truck 
just like the one the witness had reported leaving the abduction site with Amber. Just like the news crew before him, Mike was willing to talk to police and answered any question they asked. At the time of the kidnapping, he was working at one of his job sites, which was about 30 to 45 minutes away. In his line of work, a chain of custody is kept, which ultimately cleared him from being a suspect. Police also thought since he was a family friend, he wouldn't have had to snatch Amber. She would have just gotten to his car willingly. Four days after Amber was taken, strong storms moved through the area. On January 17th, a man was walking his dogs after the storm when his dog started to go to a creek behind the apartment complex they were walking through. It was about three miles away from Amber's abduction site. The dog went to the edge of the creek and started barking. The dog had found a body. It was a little girl. The man immediately called police and told them he had found the little girl who was missing on the news. The body was face down in the mud and completely naked. Police showed up and picked up the body. Since it had rained the night before and the body was next to a creek, thousands of gallons of water had rushed over the body. It was in bad shape and it was mangled. Crime scene had guessed that the body wasn't washed down the creek though. It was maybe a foot from where it was originally dumped. Police had five minutes to inform Donna of what they had found. After five minutes, they were going to alert the media of the discovery. Police showed up to the grandparents' house and told the family. Donna, of course, let out a cry and a scream. All she wanted to do was go to the police station and see her baby girl. She couldn't, though. Crime scene had to do their job and identify the body before any visitor was allowed. All Donna could do was stay at home and watch the news coverage of the body being found, not knowing for sure if it was Amber. Finally, two days later, it was confirmed to be Amber. They knew it was her from birthmarks. Donna was finally allowed to see her daughter. She cried and cried and just held her daughter. Amber's throat had been viciously cut from one side to the other. Police had estimated that she was most likely killed two days before her body was found, or three days after she had disappeared. There were no indications of sexual assault or torture. Police investigated the man who had found Amber's body and every resident of the apartment complex. No one had seen anything that could lead police to find the suspect and their black truck. The apartments did have security cameras that caught a black truck pulling in. Unfortunately, it was raining so hard that the license plate and the driver weren't visible. Over 2,000 people attended Amber Hagerman's funeral. Police were there at the funeral to look for anyone acting suspicious, since killers sometime attend the funerals of their victims. Still, nothing. Nothing unusual happened at the funeral, so the police weren't able to question anyone. A couple of days later, a call from a local woman came in, and she explained that she had seen the black truck drive away from the scene and had also caught part of the license plate. She gave the information to the police, and they were able to work with Ford to get a list of every black truck sold in the DFW area that had the same letters and numbers from that partial license plate. There was one hit, a man from Arlington, just a couple of miles from where Amber was taken. Police felt that was solid evidence and went to the man's house to question him. Like every suspect before him, the man was willing to talk to police and answer to every question asked. He was quickly cleared and let go. Police went back to the woman's house to try to get more info from her. That's when she admitted she made up the whole thing. She wasn't near the scene. She made up the license plate. She told police that she wanted to give Donna some hope that they found a new suspect. Police were obviously extremely upset. She could have had a random man arrested and she wasted police hours and manpower all on a lie. 
Donna quickly grew frustrated. Why weren't the police able to find her daughter quickly enough? After they did find her, why weren't they able to find and arrest the killer? Donna quickly turned her frustration into advocacy. She had spoken with Diana Simone, a Fort Worth resident and mother who was following the news since Amber was first reported missing. The two mothers thought there must be some way for news to get out quicker after a child has been abducted. The two came up with something they called Amber's Plan. Local radio stations would partner with police to broadcast the description of a child quickly after they had been abducted. They worked with police to set it in motion, and it was renamed Amber Alert. It stood for America's Missing Broadcast Emergency Response. Only a couple months later, and it was time to put the alert to use. A local mother had returned home from work to find her babysitter and young daughter missing. She suspected the babysitter had kidnapped the daughter and called the police. An Amber Alert immediately went out, and within minutes, a radio listener called police and told them that he was right behind the car that was described in the alert. The police were able to pull over and arrest the babysitter and save the little girl. The first time an Amber Alert was issued, it worked. By the year 2000, the Amber Alert was implemented in all 50 states, Puerto Rico, and 33 other countries. To this day, the Amber Alert has saved over 1,085 children kidnapped in the United States. To this day, no one has been arrested for Amber's abduction or murder. Police have investigated over 7,000 leads, but nothing has turned up. Her case remains unsolved. And that concludes this week's episode of Chills. If you'd like to know more about this case, there's a documentary on Peacock called Amber, The Girl Behind the Alert. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at ChillsPodcastNP for updates on when a new episode is released. If you have any personal paranormal stories you'd like featured in our podcast, you can email us at ChillsPodcastNP at gmail.com. We'll see you Monday. <laughs>